Hello everybody and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with me, your host Josh Ascroft. In today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down the first games of the NBA playoffs. They're here, they're finally here. So we're going to be looking at the four games that we have coming up today, giving you your daily injury report, of course, as well as giving you a brief rundown on the games that we will be having tomorrow. So without further ado, let's jump right into things. This is Don't Burst My Bubble. Okay, so let's start things as we always do with the daily injury report. For Utah at Denver, Will Barton and Gary Harris remain out for Denver. It's a shame that they're not back for this game one. Uh, however, you would hope they will be back later in this series. On the Jazz side of the ball, Mike Conley is out. He had to leave the bubble to return to Columbus, Ohio for the birth of his son. So congratulations to him, of course, for that. However, this is a big knock for the Jazz, who will be going into um, this this first-round series without their two uh, main guys who they picked up in the last offseason with Bogdanovich and Mike Conley both out, which is very significant for them. More on that later. For Brooklyn at Toronto, the Nets are without Jamal Crawford with that left hamstring strain remaining there. On the Raptors side of the ball, no one of note on the injury list. For Philly at Boston, Boston, no one who's going to be getting significant minutes is injured anyway. On the Sixers side of the ball, however, Ben Simmons is out with that left knee uh, injury that he suffered, and he is currently rehabbing from the surgery that he had to have as a result of that, which is a huge knock for the Sixers. And finally, for Dallas at Clippers, uh, for Dallas, Courtney Lee remains out. Porzingis is listed as probable, with a left heel contusion cited for that, and Dwight Powell remains out due to the rehabilitation of his right Achilles. For the Clippers, probably the most interesting injury report uh, of any of the other teams. We have Patrick Beverly listed as questionable, Landry Shamit listed as questionable, and arguably most notably, Montrez Harrell listed as questionable. So let's run things in reverse order in terms of how we're going to talk about these series. I want to talk about the Clippers first, so let's do that. Montrez Harrell, very significant here. So Montrez returned to the NBA bubble last Sunday, so just over a week ago now, uh, after the passing of his grandmother due to the coronavirus. That's why he had left. Returning to the bubble, he was issued a seven-day quarantine by the NBA, which technically means that he should have cleared quarantine Today, when asked about this, Coach Doc Rivers said that it was, well, he he essentially said that he was frustrated that he had been given a seven-day quarantine when other players had been given uh, significantly less time for that, for leaving the bubble for perhaps uh, less pressing reasons than the the death of a family member. However, Harrell is expected to clear quarantine today. But this does mean that for the last seven days, he has been unable to practice with his team. He's been unable uh, to participate in any kind of regular workout. He's been able to work out on a track outside with a trainer a socially distant uh, distance away. He has been unable to work out in the gym, and he's been able to play any kind of basketball. Montrezl Harrell unlikely to have really played any proper basketball now since March. Now, this is a big issue for the Clippers, who really are without 
um, very good depth at the five spot. So usually Montrez Harrell plays the majority of the minutes there with Zubac uh, playing some minutes, and they picked up Joakim Noah coming into the bubble as well. However, Montrez Harrell is essential for this team. He plays a significant role in the pick and roll with Lou Will, uh, which is basically the best scoring option that the Clippers have without either Paul George or Kawhi on the floor. It's the one they utilized the most before Paul George and Kawhi even joined the team. Montrez Harrell is essential for that five spot, both on the offensive end of the floor and the defensive end of the floor. So the question becomes, can the Dallas Mavericks take advantage of this? They don't have a traditional center by any means, and Montrez isn't either, really. Montrez is only about six foot nine, which is very short for a center. The Dallas Mavericks have a conventionally tall center in Chris Epps Porzingis, who stands at seven foot three, but he's not conventional in the sense that he doesn't get a lot of touches in the post. He doesn't play with his back to the basket. Porzingis is most comfortable when he's out on the perimeter, shooting very deep threes or acting as the roll man, or even he can even pop from the pick and roll, but he's great at rolling to the basket, has had some tremendous dunks uh, through these eight seeding games, and has really been on fire. So the question becomes, can the combination of Kristaps, Porzingis, and Boban Marjanovic, who will also, I imagine, get some minutes at the center position, can they take advantage of Montrezl Harrell and his lack of conditioning? Harrell is likely going to be tired, he's not going to be in basketball shape, so can Porzingis draw him out to the perimeter? Can he roll with him to the basket? And can Boban take advantage of him in the post with that significant height difference and the fact that Harrell will likely be more tired? Uh, Doc Rivers said that Harrell had earned the right to be in the rotation, and likely he's just going to start playing him without any practice time. However, you've got to assume that he's going to be on some kind of of minutes restriction or at least going to be closely monitored because what teams were significantly worried about when coming into the bubble was soft tissue injuries due to the fact that these players just haven't been playing basketball in the same way that they usually do through the season and in the way that their bodies are used to usually by the time they get to the postseason. So really, it's it's a big question. That's the, the biggest question for this series uh, for the Clippers side of the ball is how well can Harrell play. And then on the Mavs side of the ball, it's can Luka really continue to play the style of basketball that he plays while having an elite defense against him playing playoff-level defense. You've got Kawhi, who's going to be on Luka at times. Paul George, who's going to be on Luka at times. Patrick Beverly can switch on to Luka. The, the Clippers have really just... If you're Dallas, horrible matchups for you. They have the potential to completely lock down Luka. So I think it's going to be a combination of how well is he able to score. I think that he's probably going to be looking to get a lot more calls at the free throw line, going to be driving to the basket more. But also it's going to be about how well can he pass. Can he replicate the passing ability that he had in that monstrous game uh, a a few days ago? If Luka can continue to pass the ball phenomenally out of of traps, out of uh, times when he's being double-teamed or even triple-teamed, then I think with Harrell coming back, I think that Dallas does have a chance to upset the Clippers. I think they at least have a chance to push this series to six games. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers are able to get it done in four or five. 
I think for this young Mavericks team, I think it would be an achievement in itself to win even one game in this series. But I think two would be a great one to aim for. And honestly, I don't dislike the Mavs' chances in this first game. I think that if the Mavs are going to win games, I think it's going to come early in this series before the Clippers really have a chance to get up and running with Harrell back in the rotation as normal. So watch out for a potential upset tonight. Uh, currently, the spread for this game is a, a minus 4.5 for the Clippers. I don't think it's unreasonable that, that Dallas could actually end up winning that game. So we also have Philly at Boston, another really engaging and interesting series that we're going to have in front of us because it raises so many questions. Can Kemba Walker stay healthy for the Celtics? And can Joel Embiid lead the Sixers, a team that is now without Ben Simmons, who was usually their point guard, had been running at the power forward? Can the Sixers utilize spacing around Joel Embiid and let him dominate in the post? against a Celtics team that doesn't really have anyone who can stop him. The Celtics are really weak at the five position in terms of defense. You have Daniel Tice, you have Ennis Cantor, and Robert Williams too, but I don't know who else you can really throw against Joel Embiid. Can you put Marcus Smart on him just to try and throw him off? If the Sixers are going to win this series, you're going to need to see the defense that we've come to expect from them. And that's going to be difficult with Ben Timmons out, but you're going to have to have the rookie Matisse Thibel is going to have to step up. Joel Embiid is going to have to dominate on both ends of the floor. And Tobias Harris is going to have to play at a great level. Shake Milton's going to have to knock down open threes. But I think really the key to this series for the Sixers and for game one has to be Embiid. If Embiid can come out and drop 30 points tonight and grab 15 rebounds... I think the Sixers can win the game. For the Celtics, it's not only about whether Kemba Walker can stay in, uh, stay injury-free. It's also about whether their younger guys can step up and continue to play at incredibly high-level basketball. Can uh, Jason Tatum continue to play at an all-star level? Can Jalen Brown do the same? Can Gordon Haywood continue to play at a... 15 point per game, maybe 7 rebound, 4 assist kind of level. If they can all do that, I think that even with a dominant performance by Joel Embiid, I think the Celtics could still deal with them relatively easily without Ben Simmons on the floor. Uh, currently, the spread for that is uh, Celtics are a negative 4 on that. I think... I think the Celtics will win game one. I do not think Philly are in a position right now. But also, I think that this is probably... It's one of their best chances at a good performance from Joel Embiid. I think he's going to come out wanting to prove people wrong. And I think that if if the Celtics are able to win this first game, I think they're going to sweep the Sixers. If the Sixers win this first game, I think the Celtics will win in six. That's my prediction for that series. For Brooklyn Nets at Toronto, there's nothing that much to say. There's no reason at all why the Raptors shouldn't sweep this team and win in four games. There's no reason for that. No reason at all. On the Brooklyn side of the ball, all I can say is look out for good performances from Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen. That's what Nets fans are going to be want to be seeing. 
And who knows, maybe there's a potential that the Nets could steal a game if Karis LeVert has a kind of 35 to 40 point game. The Raptors are just too good of a team. They work so well together. They have so many different options on offense. They're so grounded defensively. There's no reason the Raptors need to make this difficult for themselves. Raptors should sweep. No problem. And finally, for Utah at Denver, Utah are in a bad position. They are in a bad place. Without Mike Conley, without Bogdanovich. Mike Conley was finally looking like the Mike Conley we'd kind of seen back in his Memphis days, having potentially, with people citing the fact that without Bogdanovich on the floor, maybe that lets Mike Conley do a little bit more of his thing. But now the question really is, who's scoring for the Jazz? Donovan Mitchell is going to have to play unbelievable basketball. Jordan Clarkson is going to have to come off the bench averaging 20 points a night for sure. Rudy Gobert is going to have to clean up offensively. He's going to have to grab offensive boards, getting putbacks. He's going to have to pick up the slack on the offensive end of the floor too. Joe Ingles is going to have to have a really good series if they have any hope. But I think it's likely that the Nuggets will take this one, even without Will Barton and Gary Harris. You've got Nikola Jokic playing at an incredibly high level right now. Uh, Jamal Murray is back, and he looks good. He's had a few more days now to get into proper conditioning shape. Michael Porter Jr. playing at a very high level, and potentially we'll see some minutes from Bol Bol too. I think the Nuggets will win this game 100%. I believe they'll win this series as well. I think that it's entirely possible that the Nuggets sweep. I think that it kind of depends for them how Jokic is able to play. If Gobert can shut down Jokic, then... Who knows, maybe the Jazz steal a game. But I think it's likely, I think the Nuggets walk away with a 4-1 to win in that series. And I think the Nuggets will win tonight, especially without Mike Conley on the floor for the Jazz. Okay, so games that we have coming up tomorrow. We have Thunder Rockets, Trailblazers Lakers, Heat Pacers, and Magic Bucks. The Bucks Magic game will be... Not fun basketball to watch. I I highly doubt it will be entertaining. I think that Giannis will drop 25 and 12 and 28 minutes, and then he won't play for the rest of the game. Heat paces, of course, will be very exciting. Uh, We'll get to see TJ Warren against Jimmy Butler. We'll get to see Bam Adebayo. Our first look at playoff Duncan Robinson. Thunder Rockets is going to be so much fun. And... It's worth noting now, I was going to bring this up tomorrow, but Russell Westbrook is out for game one at least. He's still having some issues with his quad that needs to be rested. So it's unlikely that he's going to play in game one. And I think that that is a huge advantage for the Thunder. So I think the Thunder will win game one of that series. I think I might even pick the Thunder to win that series, which is so confusing because I think that the Rockets have a chance to be Western Conference Finals contenders if they weren't coming up against the Thunder, who I just think are a great matchup for them in this first series. And then Trailblazers-Lakers. And I actually think... I think the Lakers will win game one. I think the Trailblazers are so darn tired at this point from the unbelievable run that they've had to do to get into the playoffs. I think the Blazers do have a chance to win the series. I just don't know if they can win game one. It depends on the way they're going to be looking at things. I think that 
if you're the Blazers, the best chance you can get is to try and get these winning games done early. You don't want the Lakers to get rolling before you have a chance to really take the series into your own hands. So I think that's a must-win game for the Blazers if they if they want a chance at winning the series. And I, I've picked them to sweep, uh, not to sweep, but to beat the Lakers in that first series. But I think that first game is really important for them to win. So that's going to do it for today, a very quick episode of the show. But just wanted to give you that quick breakdown of all the games we have going on today. It's going to be so much fun. I hope you get to tune in for all of these games of NBA playoff action that we have been waiting so long for. I will be back tomorrow, of course, to break down all of the games that happened today. We'll see how good my predictions were, see if there were any big upsets. And I, of course, will be giving you your daily injury report as well as your preview for tomorrow's games. Thank you so much for listening. I will speak to you tomorrow.